I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite podcast on the internet. Welcome to A Thought They Smelled Bad on the Outside, a show that, um, unlike DC Comics, can go more than 12 days without fucking up. My name is Scott. I'm Sam, and I haven't been here in a while. You you missed her. You know it. No, I bet nobody missed me. <laughs> Sam has fans. No, I don't. You're Sam, a liar. Sam has more fans than me. That's not true. You have two dogs. They're your fans. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they really count. Yeah. Coda loves you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've already fucked this show up. <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. <laughs> In any case. How you doing, Scott? Okay. Uh, first order of business. Um, once again, uh, we're doing Extra Life for Kids. So both of us will be playing games for 25 continuous hours to benefit uh, six Sick Kids Hospitals of Toronto. Through the Children's Miracle Network. Um, there will totally be a raffle with prizes. I don't know what those prizes are yet. We're working on it. We're working on that. But it's going to happen. Link in the show notes. Donate the money for the children's. got to make sure we take care of the children's. And I don't know about you, man, but my money's going to my name of my dad. But, eh. That being said. Extra Life is something we do every year. It's a very important event, so make sure you take uh, good care of those children. Help us out, and if you want, you can tell us what games to play. Maybe we'll try to figure out some way to show you how we're playing them. I don't know yet. Um, all I ask is that you do not ask me to play Street Fighter. Street Fighter. Pick of the week, where we have a thing for the week that we pick, and I transition, so Sam has to go first. Uh-huh. My hatred of transitions. I love them when I am reading them. I hate them when they do not exist in an essay. My pick of the week is Bulldog Puppy. No, I'm just kidding. I can't say that. Uh, something cool that I've been doing this week is I have been playing um, Sweet Fuse at Your Side for the PSP. It's an Atome game by Axis Games where you play Kenji Inafune's niece and you are forced to play a scary game by a Hitler-esque pig. He's actually a pig, by the way. Like, it's not a man in a pig suit. It's an actual pig. It's kind of like Animal Farm. With Genji Inafune's niece. All the boys are really hot. There's an escort this time. So remember how I talked about Hakuoki having hot boys? This one might be kind of close, or hot on its tails. But Escort Man! He's attractive. Go, Scott. (laughs) Alright, so mine is gonna go to a announcement that dropped this week that makes me super happy. Oh, is it Feng Shui? No, because you have to say it right. It's <laughs> Feng Shui. Feng Shui. I'm Hong so... Kong action cinema role-playing game. Which we may not be talking about one of those later today, huh? We might, but it's awesome. It, it, it's an amazing game. came out in 96 when uh, trying to actually incorporate genre convention into uh, role-playing meant... Uh, well, you were just playing Call of Cthulhu. Well. So why haven't we played this game with Gaming Group? Because I don't own book. And I keep yelling, and I've spent the past year yelling at Cam Banks and Robin Laws to just make a new one. It's more good, and they finally listen to me. And then the Kickstarter will happen, and they will take all of my money. All of it. And that's how it's going to go down. Super excited for this game. I was so excited the day it got announced, I had forgotten that I was in Robin Laws's gaming group for playtests, and that I would get to play it way earlier than everyone. Also, Sam, stop typing. <laughs> Shut up! I have fans! No, you don't have fans. If you're gonna type, 
stop using the stupid type noises. Who has freaking <laughs> key noises on their s- machines? I don't know how to turn them off. <laughs> this show's already gone really bad. I'm sorry. Um, but typey type. Okay, what's the next order of business? Okay, so we're we're doing a new segment that might happen more often, which is called Q and A, because we aren't that really creative with naming things. So people were tweeting questions at us, or it can just be politely called "Ask us shit." <laughs> it can be anything you want. Just avoid sex questions. <laughs> well, that's a shame because we're start. The first question is from our good buddy, friend of the show, Wint Jen who wants to know if Scott is as sexy in person as he sounds on the podcast. Sam? He's a dreamboat. Oh, my God, Winjun. He would not believe how sexy and tight his butt is. Oh, my God. Uh, That being said, I mean, he's kind of adorable. What can I say? I've been with him almost eight years. And by almost, she means not even seven and a half. (laughs) No, we're, we're at seven and a half, my dear. It's September. See, she, she's been saying eight since February, though, because that's what she does. <laughs> I jump ahead. What can I say? She, it, I don't know what her deal is with math. It's called I have dyscalcula. We yeah, that doesn't mean you have terrible rounding errors. Actually, it does, because I just don't try. Seriously, people. I have dyscalcula. The math is hard. Rounding is apparently non-existent. <laughs> yep. Okay. So the next question comes from Chrissy, and she wants to know how life would be different if there was no Duck Dynasty on TV. And my answer to that is that, well, Benelli Presents Duck Commander Hour DVDs would still be coming out. They'd be less entertaining because they'd be actually be about, you know, like, shotguns and ducks. Labrador a, Retrievers. And the importance of choosing a good Labrador Retriever to go with your ducks and shotguns. But, um, uh, that, that, otherwise life would go on. I'd watch more Swamp People. I've never seen you watch Swamp People. Don't lie to the listeners. Sometimes I watch more Swamp People when no one's around because <laughs> I feel ashamed that I'm watching Swamp People. Or one of the eight other shows about guys who hunt alligators. How is this a genre of television, and why do I keep watching it? It's like... But then again, you know, my buddy Chris and I are this close to writing a D&D campaign setting that is just Swamp People. Well, I mean, Swamp People had a baby with Storage Wars. They called it Storage Wars Texas. And if anything, you should just be watching that so you feel less ashamed of your love for alligator murder shows. There's, that being the, said, there's one guy who has a blunderbuss. I don't know why he decided the blunderbuss was the ideal alligator killing thing, but there you go. As for me, Duck Dynasty is very much a staple in this house. It's our happy show. We giggle stupidly at all the stupid that happens on it. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm marrying Jace. It'll be fine. As long as there's no chickens on my lawn and no burning leaves. Don't really want to get in trouble with the homeowners association. That being said, I love Uncle Sai. He makes me happy. Also, grandbabies, they were they're like the funniest thing ever on that show, I'm sorry. They make people dress up in girl clothes and wear feather boas and remind us that I don't have enough feathers to go on. Okay, so next question comes from Osk, who uh wants to let us know that the Mass Effect episode was great, but um that's not a question. <laughs> His no, real but... question is, are there any video games that bring you to tears? Well, first off, thank you for liking the Mass Effect episode. I'm sorry I wasn't on there to girl it up with my love interests and how, you know, I got upset about Jacob being a baby daddy. So I finally got that out there. Um, that being said, uh, video games have made me cry on numerous occasions. Currently, I can't play Lost Odyssey without bawling every time I hit one of those dream sequences. Because I have no spine. Lunar has made me ball like a baby. The ending just always makes me cry because it's the most romantic thing ever. And oh my god, Alex and Luna, so cute. Uh, Valkyrie Profile also made me cry. But again, that's a case of woman saving man. And then 
they have happily ever after, but that's only if you get the good ending. If you get the bad ending, she just becomes a brainless slug, and it's really sad. And I get sad. And I can't play Nino Kuni because it has a dead mommy. So, yeah! Video games make me cry. How about you, Scott? Um, episodes 3 and 5 of The Walking Dead. Yeah, Scott cried during those. Oh, those, those were a little rough, guys. Little I, rough. I cried during those, too. Scott is, Scott is not as, you know, open about admitting to his sad feelings when they happen. I'm pretty sure there's... I'm pretty sure I've admitted to crying about things two or three times on the show. Well, isn't there an episode about baseball and Galaxy Railways? I don't think I've ever mentioned that, but uh, Leiji Matsumoto made me cry about a baseball. He's kind of talented, I think. He has powers like that. Yeah. Um. So you can add that to your list if anyone's keeping that. Put it on the wiki. <laughs> okay, next question um, from Manny. He wants to know if we are excited about um, Yakuza Ishin, in which uh, which is an Edo period um, spinoff of the Yakuza franchise, where Kazuma plays uh, Ryoma of uh, the Shinsengumi. I am not excited for this because I don't get excited for games that will never come out here. And I am the opposite. I get really excited and then sob five minutes later, reminding myself that it's never going to come here. That being said, Edo period, Shinsengumi, if that was localized, which it'll never happen, um, I'd be so down for that, just because that's my jam when it comes to Japanese history. We aren't even going to get Yakuza 5, guys. And that breaks my heart, because I wanted my Haruka dance battles. And th that's this isn't me as like an insider or anything, it's just like, nope, Sega hates me. Sega decided to give us Hatsune Miku instead. That should tell you something right there. And that game's getting worse review scores. Then Yakuza 4. Alright, you have one that I don't have. The question is, what do you think of Predators, and was it a worthy successor of Predator and the buff dudes in jungle versus creeper alien genre? This is the weirdest question we've gotten, and that was from Irregular Cog. Okay, that's weird. It, it should have showed up in my stream, because he follows me. That's weird. In any case, I know nothing of Predator and Predators. I kind of don't watch those type of movies. Scott does, but I don't. Okay. Um, that being said, I would like to play the Predator game because it looks stupid. Okay, so uh, Predators is actually kind of... Well, Predator the, is not much of a franchise. You have one really good movie that I don't own. I should fix that. And then this terrible sequel to it. And it always kind and it always gets matched up with aliens in spinoffs and stuff. And there was always this kind of thing in the back of my brain that there's there was always a missing piece where it's like, there needs to be like a movie or something where it's just a bunch of guys and a bunch of predators in the jungle. Sort of like how Alien, there was that gap between Alien and Alien 3 where it was a whole bunch of aliens and it was a more of an action piece than a horror thing. And Predators was that movie. As to it being sort of a part of the canon of buff dudes in jungles... No one was really buff in that movie, because all the action stars were doing the Expendables at the time, so it was like Adrian Brody and Lawrence Fishburne, who I don't really think of as being buff guys. Which which adds to the fun, I think. It, they felt more like real dudes. You know, I'll give you Adrian Brody, but Lawrence Fishburne... Lawrence Fishburne, like, four years ago, though. Not, not like... 15 years ago. Not, this is not Event Horizon Larry Fishburne. And this who, is not obviously Morpheus Oh, Fishburne. Uh, like, he's even well past Morpheus at this point. It's like, he has transitioned from being kind of badass to badass mentor guy to just being... A guy. Fat cop guy. <laughs> I'm sad. I'm sorry, crime that. scene investigator guy, because those guys... Well, they're not real cops. I'm sorry, it breaks my heart that you say that, because he is married to the hottest woman alive. Yes, he did get the hottest woman ever. But, I'm just saying, I don't... He, he's he's not an action lead to me. No, he really isn't. Like, there's nothing about him that screams, like, buff, like, this is a guy who belongs in a sequel to Predator. Now, Gina Torres, on the other hand... Oh, yeah. She can be lead action star in anything and make it look hot. Yes. Just saying. Okay, do we have any other questions? Yes, Jess wants to know why we're so awesome sauce. I don't know, Jess. You need to come um, and visit us to tell us that. Practice, uh, good editing, 
Seasonal microbrews. I love you too, sweetheart. I, I don't. I, I'm not awesome compared to Scott. Scott has a resume, and I'm just myself. I mean, there's one more question here, but I'm not actually going to bring it up. Do it's it. also from Man. No, it's from Do Manny, it. and you can read it right there. So our question to you, listeners, is. Scott wants the Reigns of Castamir to be a wedding theme song. I do not. He also wants Squeezebox to be our wedding theme song. I do not. I want This Is How We Do It. <laughs> but he has said no. So tell us what our wedding theme should be. And if the answer is more than a feeling, I will come to your house and beat you. <laughs> That's, that doesn't mean we won't do more than a feeling. It just means she's going to beat you. Excellent. Oh, Lena actually gave us suggestions. This is terrible. Okay, well, let's go through what Lena has to say. Uh, Lena said, we love you, Lena, by the way. Uh, the Humpity Dance, Disco Duck, and anything and everything but air supply. All of these are terrible. Lena, you're terrible. I love your, you. Your choices are bad. You should feel bad. Can we have Dead Man's Party at our wedding by Oingo Boingo? <laughs> no. I don't want to talk on this episode anymore. My heart's broken. <laughs> because of no Oingo Boingo. In any case, we actually have a real show for you that's not us being stupid. And by that I mean Scott's being intelligent. I'm just being ridiculous. This is why we don't have me on the show usually. So can we talk about that thing that I'm really excited to talk about because it was like the best game I've played in a long time? Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to do a little double feature video game review, starting with Sleeping Dogs. Sleeping Dogs, the best game ever that Square Enix didn't promote. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm still pissed off with you, Square Enix, because you made a game about Hong Kong action hero man, Wei Shen, undercover cop. Who beats people up, and it, it 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 functions like every other open world game except better because it has a real story, and you did nothing with it. Kudos to you, Square Enix. Oh, they didn't do nothing. They milled a million vanity DLCs for it, a million. Because vanity DLCs fix video games. Did you hear that, guys? They do. Don't you know? Really so, uh, Winston's Row 4 giving me my pack so I can dress up like Zemos. That, that's actually a pack. I didn't know that! I'm gonna go buy it. <laughs> um. It might even be a pack. It might even be something you unlock. Like, there is a Zemos coat in Saints Row 4. That's all I care about. Alright, so, Sleeping Dogs from, uh, United Front Games started this a billion years ago as a sequel to True Crime. And... Finally got it to come out under a different title from a completely different publisher. Alright, so the game follows Wei Shen, an undercover cop transferred from uh, San Fran PD to Hong Kong PD as he um, infiltrates a triad and attempts to dismantle it. And it's really, really good. Like, these, like, these guys took their time and figured it out, and made it all work together. Like, I, I've played a lot of open-world crime games lately. That This is the best one. <laughs> Even better than LEGO City Undercover? Yes. I know how much you love that one. Mm-hmm. But in any case, um... I keep saying that word, I don't know why tonight. What, um? No, in any case. My favorite word tonight. Let's count how many times I say it, guys. So... I will be counting how many times she says, um... You won't. And I'm going to nipple punch him later. <laughs> In any case... See? <laughs> I can't win, I can't win, I can't win. This is, this is Sam's only transition move, by the way. This tonight for some reason. Okay. Sleeping Dogs was kind of a surprise for me, mostly because I don't play as many open world crime games as Scott does. Except for the part where he's slowly getting me into the genre. My my first one was Yakuza, so that should tell you something right there. But I was completely in love with Sleeping Dogs, uh, to the point where I stayed up late many nights playing it. Um, had to know where the story was going. 
there's something about that world that United Front has crafted that's just made it a really fun game to play. The plot's actually good, which is a first for open world games, because sometimes you get the plot just being there and it's not really doing anything to enhance the world, whereas here I find the plot does a really great job of enhancing the world to make it more interesting as you go on. Not to mention, it's got a really great cast of characters. Way is wonderful, and you can kind of play him, you know, to be more of a triad or more of a cop. Well, I wish I, they did more with that, but... Well, here's the, here's the thing about Way. He's a chameleon. Like, oh, yeah. Like, you... And it's very intentional, and it comes across really well. Like, you'll, you'll see internal affairs reports from San Fran PD about talking about how he kind of has some identity issues from doing so much time undercover. But even just, like, he is a different person with his handler, with each of, not just the various levels of, not just within the triad, but at different levels. Like, he is a different person with Jackie and Vincent and the boys at the noodle restaurant than he is with Uncle Poe. And Winston. And Winston. And Mrs. Cho. Yeah, and and then you have these little romance episodes where he death drastically changes to complement the girl's personality. Like, you hang out with the Russian chick who likes to free run, and he becomes Mr. Jockman. You hang out with Not Ping, and he's, he becomes that same sort of playful, manic hacker person that she is. It's a very well-written, intentional cipher. And I like that. And I like that it ends on the question of, well, really, who are you? It does a really good job of keeping you guessing, too. I mean, you know, you're talking about cipher roles, and you didn't even look at the uh, the cop side of things, because you're right, he is different with his handler, but he's equally different with uh, the woman he does in- inspe- cases for. In- ins- Inspector Tran. Tang. Tang. And then there's there's one other person in the cop group that we're missing. His handler and then um, Pendru. And Pendru. And again. Who is the head of the undercover, the... Uh, I guess the anti-organized crime unit. So, I mean, you get these various faces, which, haha, that's what his specials are called. Face. Well, that, that is one talent tree. Um, and it's just a fascinating world to kind of walk through, um, being in the eyes of Wei. Especially my favorite part of the course is when he starts to fall apart at the end of the game. Which, spoiler, my favorite character dies. And because this game is now old enough, it's a year old now, I'm going to just spoil it. So Jackie Ma, who is totally Way's homeboy, sweet as apple pie, kind of a dork. Hey, that is a terrible metaphor for this case. He is sweet as mooncake. Sorry, sweet as mooncake. Well, mooncake's not that sweet. Sweet bean paste cake? Whatevs. And what I like about Jackie is Jackie brings out a very playful side in Way and vice versa. That um, You can tell that the two of them are, they become very tight and it's fun to watch them interact. Unfortunately, Jackie gets kidnapped and he's hung on a meat hook, and it's gross. But he's dead, and it basically makes Wei fall completely apart. And it's interesting because it's not a woman that's doing it, and it's just, you're seeing Wei's layers shatter because when he watched Winston die, and he'd gotten very close to Winston, and now the person who brought him into the organization has been murdered. The one that he has been the closest to. And it's just a beautiful scene of rage. He is pissed. And he just wants to fucking kill everybody. And I don't blame him. Because, dude, Jackie Ma was my bro for that whole game. I just thought their relationship was really special. And kind of adorable. Not in the gay way, which when we get to Tomb Raider, I'm going to explain something about that one. I love Wei's relationships with all the people in the gang. I love his relationship with Calvin. That one made me, like, pee my pants laughing. Well, Every Cal- time. Calvin's mi- it's not even a relationship. It's just Calvin's mission structure. And the fact that he, as, as the game goes on, he just gets, he, he goes from frustrated with Calvin to just very resigned to it. It's like, okay, okay fine. I drive the car. Fine, do, do your thing. We'll escape. Here's a gun. Shoot those guys who are chasing us. And it's it's funny. Calvin, you, you gotta do these on your own. You, you just, I love it. I love it. And the man who voices Wei, oh, 
cast. I loved him. He did really good like, job. The, the voice cast is just incredible, and the, the, there is some stunt casting for some minor roles, but I think it's still. But it 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 all it do, all does shine. And that being said, um, in terms of open world gameplay, I I like this one. To me, it just felt a lot tighter compared to a few of the others I've played. Uh, again, comparing it to the Yakuza series, um, Saint, even Saints Row Three. As much as I loved. Saints Row 3, I found that my time with Sleeping Dogs was just just a more full experience. I mean, I'll be honest, I really hated the racing game. Hated it. But yeah, the motorbikes, because the You motor- hate racing everything, you hate driving and everything. Um, I got used to driving in Sleeping Dogs with the car, and then I just crashed a lot. But the, 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 the motorbikes, I never got the <laughs> See, if we do figure out, if, if we do maybe... Maybe I'll take some time and pick up a live streaming rig. We'll sit down and watch Sam play some Saints Row or something. And you can, and you can see this fun little game I play with her where I take a drink every time she manages to make a corner without crashing into something. It's a fun game, believe it or not. It, it is a fun game. The, the gameplay of Sleeping Dogs is that there's, because you're undercover, and there's a balance between weigh the cop and weigh the triad. There's a set, two sets of skill trees that go with it. But there, there are two sets of, there's a set of skill trees for each with XP that you have to earn. And they, they, they hit on something really interesting that I think plays well with sort of, with, with this genre of game, which is that cop XP, when you start a mission that involves it, starts at full. And goes down every time you screw up. Cause some property damage, lose a few. Fail a parkour section, lose lose a couple. Hurt Hit somebody. Some, hurt hurt some civilians. That's a lot. Lose a lot. And it it makes you feel like there's so, like it makes you feel like there's someone over your shoulder just checking every move. Like it adds like like it adds to it makes you sympathize with how antagonistic Wei gets with his handlers. And even the cop-specific missions are kind of boring. Like, they're kind of dull. They're kind of just... They are what most cops deal with. Like, it is... Like, it feels real to being a cop, where you just sometimes have to sit there and watch the closed-circuit footage trying to spot the drug dealer. But it, it's it's dull, it's routine, and I... And that... And it's a great intention, especially when you compare it to what gets you try at XP. Which is... Doing the fun stuff that you want to do in an open world game. Destroy everything? Get lots of triad points. Get some people? Get some triad Well, it's, and it's not an alignment meter. It's not like, oh, you ran over a civilian, have some triad points. It's like, well, you were in a car, in a car chase and you blew up a cop car. Have some triad points. You beat a man to death with a fish? Here's a few. You get a lot, actually, for the fish, so I thought that was kind of funny. Like, fish is specifically a lot. <laughs> Especially if it's the swordfish, because I remember if you do something in the with your kung fu magic, whatever, um, you can stab a guy with the end of the swordfish point. Well, it part of the game is that uh, in Arkham City Brawler mode, you have environmental attacks. So, and apparently... 30% of Hong Kong is fish packing plants, so there's just swordfish heads lying around that you can drop dudes on. It's pretty gruesome. I did a lot. That There's a lot of really over-the-top, uncomfortable environment kills. Uh, like head in fan. Like that, they're and watching the head, the blood, yeah, spin on the fan. That They're really messy, and they introduce them really small ways. It's like, hey... Shove this guy into a phone booth and smack him with the receiver. And then, within a few missions, you're jamming people's faces into, into you know, high-voltage boxes. And Do you remember the table saw? Table saw. Like, it, it's like that Punisher game. It's what it is. It's kind of... kind of dark, <laughs> now that I think about it. Um, like, the triad stuff... It, it It's not just the fun, crazy stuff. It does get a little dark, and that says something really great, too. Like, this game just has an amazing like atmosphere. It, Let's just throw it in Like, there. that really does... It it does what GTA 4 wanted to do, and it does it without really blinking. Like, 
while you're playing it, you don't even think about how good it is at rep at pulling these two forces at you. No. Especially in the missions where your triad XP and your police XP are present, because there are some that are purely one or the other. The hard, I think the hardest ones are when it's both, because there's part of you that consciously is like, oh god, don't hit the pedestrian. Well, it's like, I could take this cur- I can take this turn and be done this mission this much faster. But, oh god, if I power slide through another pedestrian, I'm in trouble. And even things, it's like, you, you could pop out from behind this car and, you know, drop a grenade on, on that guy's cover and, you know, just earn a pile of XP, but, are we sure this area is clear? Like, it makes you question your things. It's a good tension. Absolutely. And just, there's such an adrenaline rush in those moments because there's a part of you that's, I know for me personally, I mean, I always went triad in those situations because I don't have patience. I just throw it out there. I'm not a patient gamer. So for me, it was easier to do that, but then I'd get scolded by the cops. And then be like, oh, Scott, look, I got scolded by the cops. Well, yeah, you murdered everybody. Oh, yeah. Also, you're clumsy. Do better on railings. Uh, I am. I was terrible at the parkour stuff. Uh, I, I don't know why I was terrible at the parkour stuff, but I was. And and literally the thing that docks you, it's like negative two points. Clumsy. Yep. <laughs> I got that one a lot, so I saw that very frequently. Yeah. Still, it's one of those games where like it's twenty bucks now. It was free on PlayStation Plus. Like it is on sale somewhere right now, and, it's, and will be continue to be on sale somewhere forever. Like for me personally, after playing it, I was kind of disappointed with the fact that just there wasn't any more. <laughs> well, that there wasn't any more. I mean, we bought all the DLC. All the DLC is great. Um, my personal favorite is. Uh, nightmare, the Nightmare on Elm Street parody. <laughs> well, no, it, it's well, Chinese it's ghost story. Chinese ghost story, um, with Vincent, who gets upset if you didn't bring him noodles. Um, but they're all really good. The, uh, the Bruce Lee fighting on an island one was pretty great. Um, I wish I could remember all their names, but I don't. Well, okay. Other than Year of the Snake, which was also really cool, because well, start started as a boring cop. Well, again, so the move, so this is very obviously aping Hong Kong cinema. So throughout it, you're like, okay, here's some fights, you know, here's some really great fight scenes, MMA style, here's some John Woo style gunplay, here's some car chases, foot chases. It hits all the buttons, and then the DLC was like, we're gonna hit one button really hard. So Nightmare in North Point was more the paranormal fantasy horror Wuja movies like Chinese Ghost Story. With not paying. With not paying, you have, you know, demons rising from hell and hopping vampires and you have to run around the city with, uh, old salty crab, old salty crab, the, uh, the al- feng shui slash, uh, qigong al- alchemist guy you meet in the main game. And he's just like, yeah, yeah, mo- most alchemy is based on antifreeze now. You gotta get the good stuff, not the, not the mainland crap. Mainland crap, yep. It's like antifreeze. And if it wasn't him that was, uh, poking you, it was Vincent. And Vincent Who? would just whine and sob and Vincent having and moan. died in the main game. And Vincent just is a ghost and he's like, he's your buddy, but he's a ghost. And nobody paid attention to him. And he's just like, sort of jibing at the, sort of the, interesting funeral customs surrounding uh, the Chinese popular practice, where you, you do have to leave your ghosts gifts. food every now and again. Well, it's not just food, it's gifts, like booze and noodles in this case. Well, he, he, he has, wants noodles. He has a very, he's very fixated on the food part. Like, I don't think he'd... I, I'm sure if you left him a bottle of plum wine, he'd have, he'd have been just as happy, but it's like, man... Mrs. Cho made some really great noodle soup, apparently. Well, considering that's where you find him in the main game, too, it, it kind of makes wonderful sense. So the second DLC was... Zodiac Tournament. Zodiac Tournament, which is just... It, it It's Game of Death. It's it's a 70s Hong Kong... Game of Death tournament style It's a game. tournament. It, it's a tournament uh, movie. I, I'm going to throw it out there. There was like, one section of that that was super bitchy. The one part with the uh, the gears. Well, the, the end oh. fight is, it's a great set piece that just needed, uh, some tweaking, some tweaking at the end. And that they actually do a really good job of not just capturing that style, but the way they, the developers experienced it. Like the lip sync is terrible. 
there's grains, the color is blown out. And anyone who is not Asian is really exaggerated. Like, the random, what was it, the random Russian guy? Who's in there? He's got that really bad faux Russian accent. Yeah, like like the, there's intentional bad dubbing. They dress Wei Shen up like Bruce Lee. Like honestly, um, part of me was like, the fighting is fine. The little booby trap sections are fun, but I'm like, this should have just been a filter that you could have unlocked after beating the game. Because they even have the chopsaki sound effects, and I loved that. Like I spent like five minutes jumping over things for no reason just to hear the whoosh, whoosh. <laughs> like this this should have just been an option after the game like how you can play LA Noir in black and white if you want that, that that's just so cool like those little touches just make it all the more magical of an experience and I guess the last one was Year of the Snake Last, which... the last real story one was Year of the Snake which and that is... one was actually more of a it wasn't really parroting too much. No, no, it was a Jackie Chan movie. No, I know it was a Jackie Chan movie because I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be Police Story. It, it's Police Story or Super Cop, a little it's bit of both. It's one of the two. But it's probably the most straightforward of the three that you get. Like, it's not being goofy. It's just like, hey, here's a bunch of Jackie Chan stuff to do. Here's a foot chase and a fight and a foot chase. And some Jackie Chan style moves, which are all in good fun. But the plot part's actually kind of interesting because it's about a bunch of cultists who want to basically destroy Tokyo, uh, Tokyo, Hong Kong, <laughs> uh, you know, once the new year hits. And it's pretty fabulous because you actually have a really strong villain in that section. Um, and it's just fun to watch away at the very beginning doing his mundane, boring police tasks. And he's telling you how fucking awful like, it is. I, like, like, it, this one is actually sort of the sequel to the game where it's like, so, Inspector Shen. How's it going? This is the list. Here's your file on how much damage you did. You're on foot duty for now. And here's your parking pad. Here, here's your parking ticket pad. Okay, my favorite part though of that is he goes out and he struts it. Like, the first scene you see is him walking and he's strutting it so hard. And he's trying to make the best of a bad situation. I mean, I giggled like a schoolgirl. Like, all we need was staying alive to make that work. And then there was sort of a quasi-story thing where, um, about a supercar, like a James Bond car got shipped to Hong Kong in pieces, and you have to find all the pieces and show it off so that, um, your techie buddy can sell it to the highest bidder, and then you just end up taking the car. And unfortunately, you can't really do much with the car, except for replay those missions again. Like, you can't, like, it, it's it's annoying that you can't just, like, drive up to any of the gang hideouts and just open up with the top-mounted machine guns without it being annoying at you. But yeah, I didn't play that one. It, it, it's some fun street race. If you like the street racing in games, uh, there's more, and this time you have machine guns. <laughs> machine guns make things better. You know what I also liked? Going into the back of people's cars and taking out their tire irons. I stole tire irons like a boss. <laughs> Why? Because it was just an easy weapon when you didn't have anything. Those were good days. I I love this game. I mean, I wish it had gotten more recognition, but well, I've pimped it to I, the, every person The people person who I like can. it like it a lot, and I hope that people have taken advantage of all the sales since then. Or hello, free PSN, if you got PS Plus. It's not on the list. I know, anymore. but it was at one point, and if you were smart enough to tag it, it's worth a play compared to some of the other stuff that we've gotten on Plus. Actually, Plus has been a pretty good list. Resident Evil Chronicles HD. Did we really need that? Well, there was also XCOM. Yeah, XCOM's a good game. Those those are rail shooters from the Wii ported to PS3. Now. I I, I rest my case with my Uncle Sai now. Yeah. But yeah, Sleeping Dogs. It, it's really awesome. Best suggestion ever for an employee of the month gift from RP Gamer. Yeah. <laughs> so also, now... it has a really awesome karaoke minigame in that the actor is just bad at karaoke and doesn't care. Dude, it has Robert Palmer's Bad Case of Loving You. OMG. That's better than half the stuff in Yakuza. But, um, yeah. Please play Sleeping Dogs. It's a wonderful game. It's got a great cast of characters. An awesome world. 
And it's just a really smart game, especially for an open world game. GTA 4, you got nothing on sleeping dogs. So that being said, now we're going to move to that other Square Enix game. Do you want to introduce that version of I? So uh, Tom Raider, The Legend of Larry Craft. <sighs> Tomb Raider. The, re- the third or fourth reboot of the Tomb Raider franchise at this point. But, but this time it's written by Rihanna Pratchett, so we paid, well, we paid attention this time. <laughs> rewritten, because apparently she came in and it was still kind of a horror game riffing on the movie The Descent. So half the cutscenes she couldn't change because they were already done and she just had to write new dialogue for. Again, and she made it work, mostly. I would say mostly, but that's the only reason I think I paid attention to it. To be honest, um, my experience with Tomb Raider is playing demos and renting them from when Roger's video actually would let you rent games. I never got very far in Tomb Raider, mostly due to the special controls of Laura Croft handles like a forklift. <laughs> that's that's about right. Actually, that's a good analogy. She she handled like a for, forklift until um last not uh, the the one of the reboots when she started to handle like the prince from Prince of Persia. So I'm curious, Scott. Was the nudie code in the uh the PSX games? My brother was determined to figure out if it was actually there or not. And it was not in, there was not a nude code in Tomb Raider 1. There was a bikini code in Tomb Raider 2. Okay, cause my brother and I, man, we were trying to figure it out, especially because I think this was- Well, I know that these were in the early days of the internet when everyone could say anything about how it, like if you, like I'm sure you also spent a fair bit of time trying to move that truck by the SSN to get new. No, because I don't care that much about Pokemon. And I don't think I bothered getting more than, like, 50 Pokemans. 50 Pokemans. I know, that's not a lot. I I am not a Pokemon person. You know, I play them, and then I go, wait, I just sunkered 40 hours into it, and I need a child to grind for me. Okay, yeah, but uh, back to Tom Brader. I actually really enjoyed the reboot of Tomb Raider. Like I said, my experience with the series is so limited. Um, the only other experience I had with it was my high school English exam the night before my brother took me to go see the first Tomb Raider movie at midnight because <laughs> he thought I'd like that. And I kind of enjoyed it. And he was like, I just meant to see Angelina naked in the shower. <laughs> that being said... Never mind that he could have just wandered out of her to... Roger's video and gotten Foxfire or Gia or Showgirls. Angelina wasn't naked in that one. She wasn't in that one. Oh yeah, no, that was Elizabeth Brinkley. Those are two very different people and two (laughs) very different cuts. Sorry, that was the first porn, like semi-pornographic movie that I ever got my brother watching. (laughs) Please cut this. Everybody got AIDS and shit. Um. Oh god, I'm, I can't stop laughing. So, New Tomb Raider, which is a reboot, was... And it plays surprisingly like Uncharted. I'll so the circle it. is now complete. Um, I will take it that it controls like Uncharted, because it means Lara does not control like a forklift anymore. That is true. She, or she or actually, Persian royalty. She, she actually can move, and can actually jump, and can actually grab things without you having to hold like of buttons to do it. I swear Tomb Ra- the original Tomb Raider was so not mapped for controllers, no matter how hard they tried. It wasn't mapped for PCs either. <laughs> well, that's a sign like right there. Like three keys and the space bar, I think, to do things. Uh, that oh, sounds God. awful. So, Tomb Raider is, this one often is, I guess the subtitle is what, like a survivor is born is the stupid subtitle No, the subtitle thing. is 2013. That's a stupid subtitle. I'll go survivor is born. We have a very young Lara, you know, from archaeology school, and she's all like, I'm on a mission and on a ship! I'm gonna find Yamatai, which find is Yamatai. a real place. It was on the mainland Japan. It The the inhabitants got wiped out just like the Ainu did. So I'm sorry. She has a lady friend named Sam, and Sam is apparently a descendant of the Yamatai. So that just makes Lara all the more excited, because lo and behold, her little girlfriend is totally a descent of the Yamatai. Now keep in mind, I have just except said... half the game. Except half the time, the game thinks Yamatai is thought of as a myth, 
and half the time it's like, no, it's a real place, it's just kind of hard to find. It couldn't make up its Like, it mind. changes its mind a bit about that. Well, I mean, if I was stuck on an island where everybody was trying to kill me, I'd be changing my mind every five minutes, too. Just saying. I got some sympathy for her, man. She went a little nuts in that game. You know, it's kind of funny because I feel like that game tries to make Lara hold her composure. I mean, much better than I think most people would. Well, And, and it kind of didn't make sense to me. Well, it, it's hitting a few different things. Like, there's some bits of the horror game left in it around the two-thirds point, but it's mostly sort of playing off sort of the hatchet meets Indiana Jones, where it's this really pulpy adventure setting where you, like, punch dudes and swing off things, but it's still kind of got this gritty survival game. Like, I think at some point there was supposed to be this whole thing where you had to keep finding food. That... Thank God they took that out. Yeah. I wouldn't have had the Metal Gear that. Solid 3 style. And then it's just like, no, now you can just shoot the wildlife in any given area to get XP and trophies. That I do like, because I like trophies. Sam has not killed all the deer on that island, though. I have not. I don't know why it's been such a difficult task. I should just go back to it. But yeah, this actually is my favorite version of a damsel in distress story ever! No, no. Because Sam, Sam is worthless. That this this is why it's my favorite because I don't really quite get why the hell we're supposed to care about Sam, but Lara is so into it. And I mean, and I don't mean just like worthless in the normal damsel in the stress ways. Like partway through the game, she's with you, your crew again, but she can't do anything, and right? she doesn't do anything. I like, think she spends the whole time screaming. If I'm not, no, mistaken. she doesn't even scream. Like there'll be points where they'll, you'll be like lifting things onto the boat to fix it, and she'll just be standing there. She's like watching you, and it's like, girl, really, you could lend me a hand. It's like, come on. And there's points where she's held captive, but she's not tied up or being coerced with weapons, and you're like, you could make a break for it. This would be really easy if you made a break for it now. And she doesn't. And then she doesn't, and it's like, now I have to fight like crazy ogre monsters. And, Thanks a lot, kid. And like I said, th this is why it's my favorite relationship. Probably because it's the most one-sided, and I'm sorry, they are lesbians in this game, okay? No, it's not even lesbian. Yes, no, she is the voice of the designer giving you pats on the head. She just exists to masturbate Lara and by extension the player. It's worse than Alex Vance. You know what, though? I'm sorry. Lara is a total lesbo in this game, and I love her for it. Yeah. Yes! I'm sorry, but the amount of times she's just like, oh, Sam! No, Sam! Come on, Sam! Oh, Sam! It's just like, girl, you got a big boner. Just get it out! Just get it out! <laughs> she said it. Not me. All hate mail. SamSeymar at gmail.com But, I mean, I don't know why. It just, it entertained me. And here's the thing. For the first time, Lara is actually a real character. Like, she's well-rounded and, like, a strong, independent woman who don't need no man. And then you've still got Sam, the worst fucking character. Like, the worst example of damsel in distress it is, it, ever. It, 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 like, how? How does this happen? You've got Reyes. Like, Reyes feels like a real person. And then it's like, how do you have Lara and Reyes and then this? This. See why I said it was my favorite? Sarcasm. The, the, it, it's just horrific. I mean, Scott hits all the right notes when he says that Sam's worthless. And it, it's true. You, you kind of question why Lara gives a rat's ass about like, this. Like, come on. Bullet in her head and we're, the problem is solved. Well, it's not even that. It's just, I think if the developers had been smart, they would have actually tried to give Sam a personality and would have tried to make her like, an actual good companion the way Reyes is. The problem is that she's one of those characters that I hate in a game where it's the key character, which means everything revolves around them. And I mean, and there's no good reason why. And in this case, literally a key, like, she just opens fucking doors. Yeah, like, I have a huge issue when writers feel the need to have a character like that in a game because most of the time, characters who act as the key character are often not interesting enough to move a plot along because their goal is to open a door or make a dimension happen. And it's frustrating because they don't feel like a character. 
but apparently you're supposed to give shits about them, which I don't. I usually hate the character that's in that role, and Sam exemplified it. I don't know how many times I was like, can I just go find the really cool Scottish man again? He was cool. I liked him. Or can I go find Ray's again? Because and, she's actually intelligent and has something at stake in the mission. And here's the thing. We've been talking about characters we like. And the game is really shit at introducing them. Oh, they're terrible. It's, ter- it's terrible like, it, at it. You, you get a few minutes of just, like, color, just, just enough context to get you going, and then it dumps you into the middle of the action. And then you play through half the game, and then you get, like, the, the little handy cam tape that flashes back and show you who all these people you're supposed to care about are. So for, like, I swear to God, most of this, I thought, um, the, like, Grimm and Lara's mentor guy were the same person. And they're not. Like. And the game doesn't do a very good job because Grimm and like they I, and, both and have, another guy. They both have Scottish accents. They're both hardcore. They're also both old men. They kind of look alike. It, it, it's annoying. Like, it's like, oh, like, so, like, I rescue mentor guy from wolves, and then I'm like, okay, good, let's do stuff, and then I run into him, then I find Grim on top of an oil derrick, and he's, like, beating up pirates, and I'm like, there was another guy? <laughs> this guy's yeah. just as cool! Why can't we have more of him? You know, I mean, I know we're bagging on it. It's actually, in terms of a game is actually really good. Like, it plays really well. It's just, the story is kind of a mess. Yeah. Um, and it's hard not to pick on the story, because a lot of it is ridiculous, or MacGuffin-based, and it's kind of like, you just kind of roll your eyes, because it's just so ridiculous, and how fast everything happens, too. It's like, oh, so-and-so has to die now, well, because Lara has to have an emotional moment. Well, here's the thing, it's not even fat. It, it's not exactly fast. Because you'll hit these false climaxes. Like, so so the game starts, and you... Lara is just a fresh-out-of-grad-school kid. So and she, hot. And hot. But she's, like, she's thrust into this situation where she has no control. And she, like, is really struggling with murdering people and even just killing deer for food. And then you hit this point where at the radio tower, where it's like, okay, it... Like... It is this massive combat section, just huge. And by the end of it, Lara feels like a badass. Like, Lara has started she's accepted to... accepted it. She's started to think of herself as a badass. Like, throughout the game, she's constantly saying, I can do this. And at first, that's just like, no, I can really make this jump because I have to to survive. And by the time she's climbing this radio tower, it's, it is an honest-to-God affirmation. Like, she knows she can, and it's just like, okay, let's do this and get get it all done with. So she gets to the top of the radio tower, and it's like, okay, great. Like, two more things, and I'm done. And this game is kind of disappointingly short. And then it keeps going. Yeah, there's a lot of false climaxes. And then you do, like, the bit where she gets the the, the grenade launcher in the burning building. And I'm like, well, you've got a grenade launcher, and she's calling these guys out and, like, threatening them with doom. And I'm like, yeah, this is the end. Like, there's a building on fire and explosions everywhere. And then it keeps going. It has... Like, I say it's fast-paced because, truthfully for me, I, I wish it was. But well, you, you can play it in a weekend. But and you'll kind of, those... of want to because it's really fun. But it's still like, you'll think it's done, and then it just goes. It, it does have some very awkward pacing issues. Like, it goes from one extreme high to an extreme low, and it does it. That's what I mean by fast. Like, it does it in such a way where it, there's no rest in between the extreme high to the extreme low. And it's kind of ridiculous that it does that. Because you kind of go, okay, you know what? Stop with your bullshit. Let me just find stupid Sam, because that's apparently what the game wants me to do. Um, and we'll just get this over with. And then you don't, because you have to deal with Matthias. And Matthias is like, every time he appears, it's another false climax. Because it's him being like, I have Sam. Look at me, have Sam. And he's just creepy mofo. And he was a crappy villain. Like, I kind of just looked at him like, Oh, you're a stereotypical cult leader. You suck. And just, oh, this is the frustrating part is, this is a game where they could have built an interesting villain to go with their little mythology plot, and now we get crazy cult leader and wussy girl. Yeah. And the, the thing about Laura's arc is that I never thought of Laura Croft as a character. 
until the one of the the first reboot, I guess, where she was suddenly became a horrendous sociopath. Like she will straight up murder human beings to get a trinket first. And so throughout this game, she's a real person. Until you get to the climax, where you finally see her grab the two guns and do the iconic Tomb Raider pose, and I'm like, oh, she's back to that non-person thing. thing. Like, and that part's disappointing, because... Like, you... she's, I, like, the prequel, the reboot prequel thing has pushed her to the iconic status, and I never liked the iconic status. There's just nothing interesting about the iconic status, and they, that's kind of heartbreaking, because when you do get to the end, you're kind of like, well, so much for her being a real person. Because you spend a lot of the game with her being like, she's the little engine that could. Then she becomes a badass. And then she's like, oh yeah, I can just fucking take on a tiger if I need to. And now the next game will literally probably open with her murdering an endangered species and then a human for a trinket. Probably. Probably. It's just, those aspects are really disappointing. And as much as I liked the gameplay, because truthfully, doing the survival stuff was kind of fun. Like, you know, you have to kill the food and... You get your XP for it. I liked building the weapons. I really did like going around and just trying to find the pieces well, to build better thing. weapons. Combat felt really good in this. It's satisfying. Like, it is incredibly satisfying. Like, guys, like, Lara is kind of fragile, and the guys you're shooting are just as fragile. So you feel like a badass when you, like, take three of them out. Yep. But then you hit these points where it's like, oh god. I'm I've, one on I've, 20. I've gone through, like, 40 of these guys already. It's real like, the game is really great when you're, like, sneaking up and trying to take out four guys really fast. It also and the game's just overwhelming as well. And the game's just kind of disappointing with, like... How it presents a lot with, of its... Once you get past, you know, five guys at once. Like, it turns into sort of Nathan Uncharted-style kill rooms. Which was not necessarily the interesting part of the early combat sections. No, I actually enjoyed doing stealth kills in that game, especially with the bow, because the bow was great in the sense that, well, you never got caught most of the time. For whatever reason, the bow is the nice silent but deadly weapon, and most of the time the, the enemies just never noticed when you did it. Like the... so I appreciated that. <laughs> Mostly because I'm the one who usually gets caught doing those things. See, Deus Ex. But... It's funny, you know, again, we're bagging on the game, but there's a lot of really good things in it. Like, like gameplay got, is actually satisfying. It's got some good platforming, and I like the puzzles in the optional dungeons. I wish yeah, there was are, more of that. Yeah, really good. Um, I really hated, by the way, the elevator shaft at the end of the game. Yeah. That one annoyed the living crap out of me, because that one there, whoever designed that part did a really awful job at trying to make it so that it was easy to find the gears. I think it took me a good hour because I had to keep going up and down just, just to figure out where they even were. And half the time you couldn't see them. So I did not like that section. And that was at the very end of the game, so I was very, very bitter at that point. Um, but that being said, there's a lot of really great sequences. Even for, even quick, I hate quick time events. I do. But in this game, you know what? It actually does a good job of, of giving you the suspense feelings. Ah, no. For, I, I don't know. For me personally, the that, plane bit worked. No. See, I, th there's exactly one quick time event I like in this game, which is the uh, Pry Open the Door mini game, which is so stupid in, like, God of War or the Batman. It Bat makes sense here. The Batman games. Here's just this little reminder that, yeah, you're, you're like a hundred pound girl. You probably need to crank on a lever to open some of these rusted shut pieces of crap doors. I don't know. I, and it I like sort of reinforces one. that fact that you're just a little bit fragile. Well, it reminds me that you're a human being. You're not the goddamn Batman. Because, you know, the goddamn Batman really doesn't need to be doing that. I'm he sorry. does not need Mash X to open great. I'm glad there was less of that in Arkham City. <laughs> well, there was really no reason for it in Arkham City. But you know what? I mean... Do I think Tomb Raider is, like, one of the worst games Square Enix has put out this year? No! Actually, it's one of the better ones! And and I guess and I guess this is what sort of prompted this discussion, is that Square Enix has become a shockingly good publisher. They pick really good titles. At least in terms of what to back, if maybe not um, how they budget what they publish, or how they Develop. promote, or their expectations for sales. But, like, they're... 
they're they're picking good projects and really seeing them through. And even if they're not perfect projects, you know what? The review scores have been there for a lot of them. I mean, you know what? As much as Dungeon Siege 3 was forgettable, I every person I talked to who played it had a lot of fun with it, especially as a couch co-op game. Deus Ex was wonderful. Okay, it's not a great Deus Ex game. Scott will tell you that. It was my first one. I enjoyed it. Um, maybe it was also because I was madly in love with Adam Jensen, but, you know, that's just the girl in me. I loved those two games, and I'm kind of sad because I know that Thief is not going to be a game I'm going to be able to play without having... Uh, everything I hear about Thief just... Breaks his heart. Breaks my heart. Because it doesn't sound like it's actually Thief. It doesn't sound... It sounds like no one's been able to stay on this game for more than a month. I feel like Square Enix has a good approach to the projects it picks. I just wish that, you know, and this is the RP gamer in me talking, I wish that they would kind of go back to also publishing a few JRPGs. There's been some really interesting Japanese projects that are not Final Fantasy that have come out from Square Enix, and it's just kind of a shame that they are going on the wayside for Final Fantasy. Which, let me remind you, do you remember how long uh, 13 took to develop, guys? Did we really need that? Considering how it turned out? Did we really need a Realm Reborn? You know what? I haven't played it. Everyone I've talked to who's played it loves the reboot. Hopefully that'll make Square Enix some money so that, you know, they can actually properly fund some of their projects. No, they'll just dump it into the Nomura pit. Oh yeah, because <laughs> Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> Because that's ever coming out soon. Because <laughs> that's going to come out right away. I mean, They're going to knuckle under and get that shit you done. You know, let's let's face it. Kingdom Hearts is the franchise that at least has a game that comes out. And it's not ever particularly good. I'm really sorry, Kimberly. Not that you're probably listening to this. But it's the one franchise I can think of from the parent company that it actually gets money behind it and comes out. But you know what? It's like, I wish Square Enix would just keep working on the publishing side, at least here in North America, just because there's a lot of fun projects out there. They just need somebody to give them a bit of a helping hand. And I'm really glad that we got Sleeping Dogs, because that one there was sitting in the toilet for a while. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with Idos Montreal, I mean, there was, there was a lot of potential there. Let's not talk about though that iPad game, because it controls like a brick. Good story. Just turn to a white brick. Uh, do you have anything else you want to just mention? No, not Tomb Raider's really good action platformy quasi Metroidvania 2.0 game. Hopefully, you know what? The best way I, I would think to approach Tomb Raider is if you can get it on a really good steal, maybe under 20 bucks. Or if you're smart and have PlayStation Plus, I am almost positive within the next little while it's going to go on Plus. You can get it for free. Um,. I think that's the best way to play that one, just because I paid 60 for it. I truthfully don't feel like I got my $60 worth out of that one. But he didn't play the sweet multiplayer. That's what you buy Tomb Raider for, multiplayer. Remember when they put multiplayer in Uncharted? And we were just kind of like, now how does that work? I don't really care for multiplayers in my games. Because you know what? There's only a few games that I play with people... It's called Saints Row and Beat 'em Ups. Which, by the way, I have a sweet ass pink mobile. Yeah, I'm that sure that's doing. I'm sure me. that's doing you a lot of help in Saints Row Four. You used it in three more because you didn't have a choice. It was drive or bust. Here was super run or bust. So yeah, tell us what you thought of Tomb Raider and uh, Sleeping Dogs in the comments. We'd love to know. Um, tell us what you thought about Lyra's. Reboot of a reboot. Um, because Lord knows we're kind of interested to hear what y'all think. And we are. I mean, don't take that sarcastically. I'm just very tired. But there's a lot of weirdness in that particular one that I'm still kind of trying to get over. But you know what? If Lara wants to be a lesbian in that game, I support her. <laughs> You're ruining thousands upon thousands of 90s era Lara Croft, Duke Nukem, crossover slash fix. I'm sorry, but I have many girlfriends who would agree with me on that one. Yeah, that's know. gotta be the only reason why you put up with Sam. 
He's got to be like mad awesome. That's dog Les. <laughs> Sam is making the scissor gesture at me, and with that, we're gonna call that a night. Good night, everyone. Uh, I thought they smelled bad on the outside. I Thought They Smelled Bad on the Outside is released under an international attribution non-commercial share like Creative Commons license version 3.0. Please visit sbopodcast.blogspot.com for more episodes and contact information. Thank you.